You're listening to an audio resource from Vineyard Church of the Rockies in Fort Collins, Colorado. We are joining God's mission, transforming all things, and you're invited. To learn more about us and how you can connect, please visit votr.church. Well, I'm excited because um, I get the honor of introducing our guest speaker and preacher this morning. I have like the easiest job in the world today. I'm just interviewing and talking, and then I get to sit down and enjoy the morning. We have Johnny Square here with us. I'm so excited. Johnny Square, you may know him as, yeah. You, you may know Johnny Square as the chaplain of CSU, seeing him on the sidelines, coaching, I think, as much as he is chaplaining. Um, but he's also a church planner with the ESS Church Network, and he has given his life uh, to advancing the kingdom of God And one of the things that I've really loved about Johnny, I've gotten to know him in the last few years, is that our relationship is basically built on the relationship he's had with Rick Olmstead. He and Rick go back for years, and they ministered in this city together for years. And when I came on staff, Rick put his arm around my shoulder and introduced me to a few key people around our city and said, you want to get to know this person. And I always paid attention when he said that Johnny Square was one of those guys. And, uh, you know, chaplain, uh, church planter, all of those things, what I consider Johnny Square is truly an elder of the city. Not just of one particular church, not just a preacher here sharing space with us, but truly an elder of the church of our entire city. The way that he has sacrificed and laid down his life for many is is uh, inspirational. So let's welcome Johnny up, and he is going to share. I'm going to pray for Johnny, and then I'm just going to get out of his way. God, thank you for Johnny. Thank you for our friendship. Uh, Thank you for what he represents in this church, but also our city at large. God, would you anoint him to speak to us this morning, and would you open our eyes, open our ears, open our heart to hear what you want to say to us. God, thank you for Johnny, and thank you that he's here in Jesus' name. Amen. My goodness. Jeff, make me nervous saying all those things. You know, I, uh, I admit I was here when the Poudre River was running the other way. I, understand, I admit that. But, but you know, Vineyard, Vineyard has been so close to my heart over the years. I, I must say to you that anytime I get a, uh, what you would call a, an opportunity to speak at Vineyard, it's an honor. Because to go all the way back to John Wimber and Tom Stipes and then Rick Olmstead comes to town and and he and I get to know each other real well. And, uh, and then to hear him as he began to move on and wanted to transition, even when he began to talk about Jeff. And we prayed about that. And so, uh, you know, y'all have someone here uh, in Jeff that is a God sent. And he didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> but but, but, but I, do, I, I do want you to know that, that, that he uh, has the same, what you would call, uh, a kindred spirit for our city, and, and I'm so glad he did what he did this morning in introducing the, the rescue mission. And, and so it's, it's nice to meet his lovely wife, and what, 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 what great worship. And I'm here with my bride, Vicki, over here to my left. We've been uh, married for 43 years, and, and uh, it's just so good. Could you stand? Could you stand? I just, 
want you to see her. You can be seated, and that's the first time she's done anything I've asked her to do in 43 years. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding. And so if, if, you, if you will, I just want to jump right into the scripture. And if you have your Bible with you, we're going to be looking at Matthew, the ninth chapter, uh, looking at verse 35 to 38. And as Jeff and I was talking about the city, I was just so moved by his heart. And so I'm going to read that scripture to you. And then what we're going to do is we're going to jump over to another scripture called Luke 4, to, 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 where, to where Jesus says something about himself and the anointing. And then what we're going to do is going to put some boots on the ground for you in this area of reaching your city, reaching your neighborhood, because that's a mandate for the church. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you see what God has to say about that. And so let's look at Matthew 9, the, uh, starting with verse 35. It says, and Jesus was going about in all the cities and uh, villages, teaching in their synagogue, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease, in every kind of sickness, that means COVID too, people, I want you to know that. And seeing the multitude, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. And these two verses are the ones that we're going to hang on here because it's the content and the context of this message. And he says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers or few. You need to listen to that. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Now, now if, I, if I had to put a title on this message, the title was Pray for Harvesters. Pray for Harvesters. Now, he's communicating this to his disciples. Pray for harvesters. And, and, and that whole word prayer means something because in prayer, when you pray for something, I want you to understand power shows up and then there's a relationship to the very God that you're praying to. And, and as the power shows up and the relationship to the God that, that you're praying to, which is Christ himself, which is God himself, Guess what happens after that? Your attitude changes, and because your attitude changes, you change your environment, and you change the atmosphere. And, and, and what that does is that, that, that yields you, and you become, you become yielded to the power of the Spirit. And no longer is it about you, because now you're asking God what he wants. See, prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes you. And then God, he sends you to change things. And so that's why he says, pray for the harvesters. And the harvesters here are, are people who reap, people who, who go out and reap human crops. And so my challenge to you this morning, before we go back to this set of scriptures, because I got to, yeah, y'all know I'm setting you up a little bit. You got to know that. <laughs> but but, but my, my challenge to you this morning is this. If you pray for the harvester, something is going to happen. Something's going to happen in the sense that God will allow his spirit to come to you and equip you to impact your marketplace. Not only in the battlefield, now you listen to me real closely, but also in the courtroom. 
in both places. If you truly pray and you try to get God's heart for, 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 for the harvesters, and he will, he will do something to you where it will move you. And so I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Now, i gotta, I got to take some time before we get back to verse 37 and 38. We're going to get there, I promise you. And we'll, we'll, we'll stay within our time frame because I know some of y'all want to go home and watch football games. <laughs> so if you flip over with me just for a moment to Luke, the uh, fourth chapter. And, and I want to read something that Jesus said that, that, that I think should define you and I as church, as believers. When you, when you look at the fourth chapter of Luke, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout all the surrounding districts. And he began teaching. Watch this in the synagogue. If Jesus were to come back today, or if he came in this day and time in his physical sense, you know, the first place he would go is to go to church. That's the first place he would go. He would come to you and I. And it says in the synagogue, and it says, and was praised by all, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book, and he found the place where it was written. Now watch this. Now this is, this is very, very powerful here. Because if Seth talked to you about reaching people, there's, there's someone, there's somewhat of an anointing, there's somewhat of a spirit that needs to come upon the believer to do the very things that Jesus told us to do. Now watch this as you listen to this. It says this, the spirit of God is upon me, okay? Because he anointed me. See, she said that, 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 that there's an anointing that God wants to give you to reach your environment. It's not something you go out and do because you feel bad about it. It's something that, that, that you go out and do because there's something in you that's stirred up. You're going to see this when we go back to Matthew 9. Hey, is everybody okay? It's okay to respond to the brother. So, so... So, so, so he says this, he said, because there's an anointing on me. And then he says this, to preach the gospel to the poor. You, you, you're going to get this in Matthew 9. I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw a parallel there. And that poor is not economic. It, it, it can be that, but it's poor in spirit. And then it says, just watch this, there's three, uh, there's two R's here. Watch, to release the captives. Bless you. And to recover the sight of the blind. This is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life today, right now. Every time we read scripture, we think it was for them back then, somebody else. No, that's for us today. And he says not only to, to, to release, you, you know, the, the, the captives, but also to recover the sight of the blind. And to what? Set free. Man, freedom. It's something that we all look forward to every single day. And to free those who've been what? Downtrodden. And then he says this, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, which is every day, every minute, 24-7, 365. Now I want you to understand something. The church should be defined by this. The anointing, the power, you know, that lands on. 
Now, now having that in mind, we're going to go back to Matthew, and we're going to dissect it. And then I'm going to kind of bring it home for you a little bit, and then we're going to talk about a little boots on the ground. Because when you look at Matthew 9, you see three things. You see, first of all, Jesus talking about a demonstration. And then after he talks about the demonstration, he talks about the diagnosis of the very people that he's reaching out to. And then he gives prescriptive medicine. And I want to show that to you. Is everybody okay so far? You know, y'all just too cool on the brother. I just want y'all to know that. So look here, when we go back, when we go back to Matthew 9, here's what it says. It says, it says now, and Jesus was going about all the cities and the villages. Just like he went to those cities and villages, that same Jesus, that same spirit is up and down I-25. That same spirit is in Fort Collins and Loveland and Greeley and Wellington. It's there. It hasn't changed. Same power, same spirit. And then he said this, he went to do something. He went what? Teaching in their synagogue. He came to the church to proclaim to them the Old Testament, talking about him in his present day ministry. They had to understand that he was God in the flesh. So he would go to the synagogue to tell them that. But what he was proclaiming, ladies and gentlemen, was what the power is. He was proclaiming what? The gospel of the kingdom. And let me tell you something. The gospel need no help. You just need to share it. Because the gospel will penetrate the soul. You don't need to add anything to it. It don't need a commercial. It will hit your heart. And that's what he was proclaiming, the gospel of the kingdom. You know what that kingdom was? It said, here is what happened when kingdom, when heaven comes to earth. When heaven comes to earth, it clears out the rescue mission. When heaven comes to earth, it clears out hospitals. When, 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 go ahead. Well, when heaven comes to earth, things changes. They change. And Jesus was telling them that. And then he said this. He said every kind of sickness and every kind of disease, every kind of infirmity, every kind of ailment, a weakness. Every kind. That's what he came to do. And guess what happened? He was doing that to the point where he set people free. He was, uh, he, he was freeing the captives. He, he was taken up and giving light to the downtrodden. And guess what? The crowds come. Let me tell you something. When you start doing that in the church house, you don't have enough seats in the arena. People are beating down the doors. And that crowd came to him. Watch this. Because he's giving you the demonstration of what God does when he shows up. Now, when you begin to look at verse, watch this, 36. He says, seeing the crowd. Ladies and gentlemen, it gets personal. He looks at the crowd. He perceives with his eyes the crowd. And then it says he felt something. When you see the man or the woman on the street, are you moved? Are you, does something convict you? And he, he, he said, and he felt something, which basically means that, that, that he was perceived something that was of a physical sensation to him, just like you and I, because now you're seeing his humanity. And then he says compassion. Let me just give you an example or, or, or description of the word compassion. Compassion means sympathetic consciousness of others. Watch this. What a desire, come on, to alleviate. To, to alleviate. He felt compassion for them. And then he begins to say this, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to land this ship here in just a minute. 
Okay. Then he begins to, to say that there was a reason because they were distressed emotionally and physically in decline, also downcast, low in spirit, and dejected. That's what he saw. And then he gives this description right before we hit our, our text for the day. He says, man, like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I want y'all to know, if you do a study of sheep, I don't think you would like God calling you sheep. I would rather him call me a junkyard dog or something. <laughs> but man, look here, these are very, very stubborn animals having their own way, following anything that they can follow. I mean, as a matter of fact, if you go to some sheep people who today, and then they'll tell you that, you know, sheep just follow along after everybody else, and, and they could be going in a certain direction. You can put a stick up under where they're, where they're, where they're traveling. They'll jump over that stick. You can remove the stick. Every sheet that got to that place will jump over it, too. <laughs> that, that really wasn't a flowery thing when he called it sheep. Man. But not only that, he said they were shepherdless. You know what that meant? That, that, that meant they were not only without protection, it made them vulnerable. They were vulnerable to the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. They were unprotected, unpromoted, and undisciplined. So when he looked at the condition of the crowd, he said they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he gives the prescription. This is the part we got to get to. I'm getting ready to kind of close this. He said, look, in verse 37, then he said to his disciples, I want you to understand something. The problem is not the harvest. It's not. The, 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 the problem is not the harvest. Because the harvest is abundant. And he, he's going to tell them why it's abundant. Because I'm going to, you, you got to know I'm going to challenge you here in a little bit. The harvest is abundant. It's all over the place. That's, the, that's why we thank God that we have these groups like what Sethnam is about who, who, who specialize in, in going after that. Man, that should be a hallmark of church. Now, that's not a guilt thing I'm putting on you. Please don't do that. Please don't respond that way. But, but, but he said the harvest is plentiful. Man, the crops you can see for days. But look what he says. He says the problem is this. He's saying that the problem is, but the, the laborers, the reapers, are small. And for every person that is born every single day, and, and, and for the amount of impact of, of evangelism that the church has on the community, that number keeps growing every day because the harvest is plentiful. But, but, but the labors are few. Now, because there's, there's some things I want to say to you as we get ready to, to, to close this. He says, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you got to know what therefore is therefore. Okay? And, and, and then he moves on and says, but I want you to do something. I want you to beseech. See, I, I want you to beg. I want you to petition. I want you to get on your knees. He's telling this to his disciples. And I want you to what? I want you to ask, watch this, the Lord of the harvest. That means he's sovereign over the harvest. 
And then he makes a statement, and he says, look, to what? To send out. Now, why is this so important? Because the Bible tells me, Johnny, you're not just saved. Don't listen to me, but you're sent. Salvation is not just for you. You got to understand that. It's not just for you, but you're sent. So, 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 so some people want the salvation because they're just not going to go to hell, okay? I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. I'm fine. In the meantime, what are you doing? What am I doing? I'm going to tell you what I'm doing here in just a second because I want to close this to, because I want to challenge you in a very loving way. So pray for the workers to go into the harvest, to, to go into the battlefield as well as the courtroom. So here is my challenge to you. Before I challenge you, I want you to know I was scared. When I read this, I was nervous. I had to admit my fear, my, my fear of being rejected, my, my, my fear of not being trained, my fear of not being equipped, because I was scared that my friends wouldn't like the fact that I was a believer now. I wasn't running with the hood gang anymore. Things have changed. I belong to Jesus now. And I had to admit that I was scared. And your first step today, as I challenge you, if you're willing to say, I'm scared. I, I, I don't want to be rejected. I don't feel like I know what to say if I, can, if I can get into a conversation. That's where I had to start. And when I started there, God began to train me. And as he began to train me, he began to send me places I didn't think I was going to wind up in, whether I would be on the CSU campus in an open mic in a, in a square there with a, with a mic where kids can come up and say anything they want, and I don't think they even cared about what I was thinking about. They were just more interested in making me look like a fool. <laughs> but you know what? God did some miraculous things there over a 10-year period. And, and I'll share this real briefly before I, before I lend this. I was at a prayer breakfast in Denver. And there was a young man who came up to me after that. He said, you don't remember me, Mr. Square, but I'm one of the kids that debated you at CSU about evolution. And, man, for three, four years, we went at it. I want you to know, brother, as you turned me to the gospel, man, I went to the gospel and saw that there were some things that I was believing that wasn't of God. And as of the day, I want you to know, man, I not only got out of that, I changed my life. My life is in Jesus Christ, and I'm working for him. Working for him. And that's because God took me to the fear. And, 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 and whether or not, you know, all these other things work or not, I just want to say this to you. When you jump into that fear and you let God have you, because I tell you what, there came a time where I got so serious about busting that fear thing, man, God started messing with me in the grocery store. <laughs> now, for anybody that knows me, look at here, I, I, I used to love chocolate chip cookies and double stars. I was addicted to it. And so I would go in the cookie aisle and hang out, man. And all of a sudden, man, the spirit of God would be messing with the brother. So I'm sitting up here in the cookie aisle, and somebody walks by, and I hear this voice say, say it. I go, what? I'm in safe way. Say it. God, look, I'm after the cookies, man. <laughs> And I wind up 
at some point sharing with people about Jesus Christ right next to the double stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge you just like God challenged me. And here it is. Will you pray? And will you work? The harvest is plentiful in this city. It is. Will you respond to God's call? And I, I will tell you in these last three or four minutes where you can start. See, because this city is made up of government, it's made up of education, it's made up of business, it's made up of media and entertainment, it's made up of other faith-based entities. But with boots on the ground, God is not asking you to do all of that. You know he's asking you to start with? Start with your family. Start with your cul-de-sac. Start with your neighbors. That's all you got to do. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, they will be saying about you what they said about the disciples in Jerusalem. They said, you have filled Jerusalem with his name. And so I challenge you. Now, I will be uh, in the back if, if any of you uh, want to be prayed for for that issue. You don't have to. You really don't have to. You, you can settle that somewhere else. But, but I'm telling you something. There's another part of experiencing the abundance of the Christian life by realizing that it's not about you. It's about him. The harvest is plentiful. And I close by saying I love what, what, what Jeff is doing, what I, Pastor Jeff is doing, because as he and I sit down and talked about me coming over, you know, to, to speak with you, I, I, as a matter of fact, I was scared to death because, you know, Rick and I still text each other, and Rick has a way of, of saying things to me, man, that makes me nervous when I come over <laughs> to his place. And the Lord loves him anyway, so if, if, if you could... <laughs> If you could see a video of Rick and I and Darren Arthur that's from Timberline playing uh, golf, you would love it because one of us lose our salvation every round. I just want you to know that. But, 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 but that kindredness and what you represent as a church and what you were founded on as a church, that, 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 that Luke, uh, that those, those signs and wonders, all of those things, they are there by which you may reach the person next to you. And so my challenge is this. As Pastor Jeff leads you uh, outside the four walls, let me tell you something. The whole book of Acts was written outside the church. It was written out there. So, so, so I would encourage you to pray and to think. Don't rush out and go, oh, man, I just got a witness to everybody. Don't do that. <laughs> Get on your knees. Deal with the fear. Embrace the challenge. Ask God to teach you. And ask them where to start. Man, it's been such a pleasure being here with you.